preach the gospel at all times. Use words when necessary. I prefer St. Paul who says faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And that's what the February issue of the Lutheran Witness is all about, hearing and believing. It includes articles about hearing with your eyes, singing the gospel, listening to the word of God in sermons, and proclaiming the gospel in foreign lands. Visit cph.org witness to subscribe today. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the contemporary world from a Lutheran perspective. cph.org witness. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It would seem like a pretty easy task. You sit down, you give your attention to the preacher, and you listen. But it gets more complicated after that. And are there things that a listener to a sermon, we do it all the time, once a week, become expert at it. Are there things that the hearer can actually do beforehand, maybe even during the sermon, to help bring that word of God to him? Can he prepare to hear God's word? And can he, while he is hearing God's word, actively engage with the words that are being spoken? The Holy Spirit is there working, good preacher, bad preacher, good listener, bad listener. But how do we rightly attend to the preaching of God's word? Welcome back to Issues Etc. We're going to be Talking about listening to a sermon on this Tuesday afternoon, January the 28th, Pastor Roy Askins joins us. He's managing editor of the Lutheran Witness magazine and author of a column for the latest issue titled On Listening to Sermons. Pastor Askins, welcome to Issues Etc. Thank you, sir. It's good to be here. You say that our preparation to hear a Sunday sermon is actually a fruit of faith. What do you mean by that? Well, a couple of things. Uh, First off, God's word will always accomplish that which he promised it would. This is uh, Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So there's nothing in, in one sense that we can do to make God's word more effective. It's already effective in and of itself. Also, the thing to keep in mind here is that before conversion, there's nothing I can do to bring about my own salvation. We must confess with Luther in the third article of the Creed, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. So with those two things in place, understanding that conversion and coming to the faith through the word of God is entirely the work of the Holy Spirit and God through the Holy Spirit. Once we are converted, we do have a desire as the children of God to know more about his word, to be deeply involved in it, to to make it part of who we are, to memorize it uh, so that it becomes part of who we are. And so as the child of God, as a fruit of the faith that the Holy Spirit has given me in and through his word, I desire to know the word of God more deeply. And this means the desire to prepare more effectively, if possible, to hear what the pastor is preaching on Sunday morning. Why is preaching from a lectionary both helpful to the pastor, the preacher, and to those who hear him. Well, I'm going to start with why it's helpful for those to hear him. And uh, as we were told in seminary, of course, is that it protects the people from the pastor's hobby horses. <laughs> I love the book of Ezekiel. And if I could, I would preach every Sunday on the book of Ezekiel. And very quickly, my people would get very tired of hearing about the book of Ezekiel. It's kind of a difficult book, and you, you know how this is. So a lectionary, in that sense, helps to ensure that the pastor is actually preaching to his people the full counsel of God. And this is uh, one of the things that the lectionary does, is, is it guides the pastor as he preaches throughout the year. 
It also helps the people and the pastor to organize their life around the rhythm of the church year, around the rhythm of the church. During the festival half of the church year, we're talking about Christ and his life and following these from Christmas through Easter and Epiphany into Easter and so forth. And then during the non-festival half of the church, we're learning about the teachings of Christ. And all of this helps us as the people of God to organize our life around the church and how the church, the ebb and flow of the, the life and the history of the, or the, the year of the church. So the laity, how can they use the lectionary to prepare? One of the things they can do to use the lectionary to prepare is to know where they're at in the in the church year, but then following the lectionary, use these readings in their daily life and in their daily devotions. So there's any number of places they can find the lectionary. It's in the Lutheran service book. It's in the, the Lutheran study Bible. Um, it's even online. You just Google it for LCMS lectionary. You can find this lectionary and then use this to help direct your devotions throughout the week. Now, there's a couple of things you need to probably ask your pastor about your lectionary, whatever lectionary he's using. Ask him whether he's using the three-year or the one-year series. But then once you find out what lectionary you're on and what the day of the church year is, go to the lectionary, find the Old Testament reading, the epistle reading, the gospel reading, and then throughout the week, read these as part of your daily devotions, and then reflect on these daily devotions as you're studying the Word of God. We hear a lot about law and gospel preaching. In essence, what is it? Law and gospel preaching is looking at the Bible, the texts of the Bible, and applying this in in life. And so what the law and gospel preaching is, is, or what law and gospel period, is looking at a text and saying, how is this text speaking to me law? And how is this text speaking gospel? And the law is always going to show us our sin. It's going to show us our need for the Savior. It's going to show us how we have in so many ways failed to keep God's law. And the gospel is always going to show us our Savior and what Christ has done. Right, So the law says, here is God's perfect law. How are you doing at it? How's this going? And if the preacher has done his job well, if the preacher has preached the law correctly, I look at myself and I despair of myself and my own efforts. I must say, I'm doing really horrible. I'm a sinner and I deserve nothing but eternal damnation. Whereas the gospel on the other hand shows me the Savior. It shows me Christ and his work on my behalf. The law preaches, you can't do this. The gospel preaches, Christ has done it all for you. The law correctly preaches, says, you have broken God's law, you deserve eternal damnation. The gospel rightly preached says, Christ has died on the cross to forgive your sins and has made a place for you in his Father's kingdom. So can you give us an example, a brief example, of a text read in terms of law and gospel? So this is done with with any biblical text, but uh, I'm going to be preaching here in a little bit on the transfiguration of Jesus And so I've kind of got Matthew 17 in mind. So let's take a look at this, Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9. And you know the story. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a mountain. He's transfigured before them. And as he's transfigured, Moses and Elijah show up to talk with him. Now, Peter jumps in and says, Lord, it's good that we're here. Let's build three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And then a cloud overshadows them. And God says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then they fell down in fear, and after they fall down, Jesus comes and touches them. They, they raise up their eyes, and they see, the text says, they lifted up their eyes, and they saw no one but Jesus only. Now, of course, one way to look at this text is to say, oh, what a fool Peter is. He's always jumping in where he doesn't belong, saying things he shouldn't say, and not paying attention to Jesus. But this is not always the best way to look at the text in terms of law and gospel. 
Let's look at the text in terms of law, which shows us our sin and God's perfect will for us. And in this passage, you have Moses and Elijah, and they're emissaries of the Old Covenant with its laws and demands. Moses gave the Pentateuch, and Elijah stands in for the prophets who repeatedly called people back to this this covenant that Moses discussed in the Pentateuch. And they were here talking with Jesus. Now, the point is, of course, that the entire Old Testament is pointing us to Jesus, who now stands on this mountain of transfiguration and will be soon going down to the cross to suffer and die. And so Peter, as a good Jew, he knows the law, and he knows what the deal is with Moses and Elijah. These guys are the big shots. Yes, Jesus is great, and he just confessed Jesus as the Son of God, and that's all cool and wonderful, but this is Moses and Elijah. Peter offers to build three tents. He wants to keep the law enshrined right there next to Jesus. And as we look at our own lives and the law of our own lives, Satan and my sinful flesh actually convince me that want to convince me that I can keep the law, that Jesus is great and all, but I've really got to do my part to fulfill the law. I've got to do my part to show that I'm really serious. Perhaps you've heard the phrase, you do your best, God will do the rest. Well, when we really look at the law, the law actually says your best isn't good enough. You can't be good enough. And putting the law in a tent right next to Jesus, that's not going to work. Now, the end of the reading says they lifted up their eyes and they saw Jesus only. And so it is for you. When it comes to your redemption and your forgiveness, look to Jesus only. You cannot do enough. You cannot be enough. You must despair of all of your own works. You must despair of all of your own effort and look to Jesus only. So that's one way of kind of looking at the at a text in terms of law and gospel. As, as a Christian is sitting there in church before the service, how can they look for a theme in the readings and the other propers that are provided there on Sunday morning, the hymns that they're about to sing. So as they've been reading the text throughout the week, of course, they gain familiarity. As you're using the lectionary throughout the week, reading the text, you kind of gain familiarity for the, what's going to be the Old Testament, the law, and the gospel. When you're looking, sitting in the pew Sunday morning, take five minutes before you the service starts and look at a couple of things. First off, I encourage you, open up the bulletin, and often in the bulletin, the collect of the day will be printed. Uh, look at wh- what the prayer is focusing on, how it reflects the themes from the gospel reading a lot of times, but also the, the Old Testament and the epistle. The pastor, or if you have a cantor or music director, has often chosen a hymn or a hymn of the day that particularly builds on this theme as well. Look through the hymn. Actually read the hymn before the service so you know what it's about and how it reflects those readings. A lot of congregations will also include a theme of the day, this is a, either a, a phrase or a paragraph in the bulletin that brings all of these things together and helps direct your thoughts in reflection after you've reflected through the week on the readings and then the, the hymn of the day and the collect. We're talking about listening to a sermon. Pastor Roy Askins is our guest, managing editor of the Lutheran Witness magazine. Most congregations have the three readings printed out. Why is it important not just to follow along while reading, but to listen? We'll find out next. We need to be able to articulate from the scriptures, very simply, the clarity and the confidence of the doctrine that that there is one God and that God the Father is God and God the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ is God and God the Holy Spirit is God. Pastor Brian Wolf Miller talking about his presentation at the 2020 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. And we want to make that case with a simplicity that comes from the Scripture, and we want to consider then the beauty of what it means to worship the Holy Trinity. You can meet and hear Pastor Brian Wolf Miller making the case for the Trinity at the annual Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. 
Friday, June 12th, and Saturday, June 13th at Concordia University, Chicago. Pastor Wolf Miller will be joined by Dr. Robert George, Mark and Molly Hemingway, Pastor Hans Feeney, Dr. Albert Moeller, and Pastor Will Whedon. Find out more and register at issuesetc.org or by calling 618-223-8385. Educating a new generation of Lutherans, you're listening to Issues Etc. Concordia University Chicago is committed to keeping college affordable for all, and especially for LCMS Lutherans. We have scholarships available specifically for students who are LCMS members. This is Dr. Russell Dawn, president of Concordia Chicago, asking you to encourage your student to check out Concordia Chicago at cuchicago.edu. And if you are interested in supporting these scholarships, please find us online at foundation at cuchicago.edu. Lutheran Talk. We have an ecumenical responsibility to hold forth the scriptures and to bear witness to grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. Lutheran Music. Listen anytime, anywhere in 2020 with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org. Issues, etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about listening to a sermon. Pastor Roy Askins is our guest. Pastor Askins, most congregations have a printed version of the scripture reading somewhere available to the listeners. Why is it important also to listen to those readings? Yeah, and I want to begin by saying I'm not opposed to printed reading, scripture readings in the bulletin. Those can be very helpful, especially for taking home, reflecting on at home. But we also clearly confess the value of hearing the Word of God. St. Paul says faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. And so we have this great emphasis on hearing the Word of God. Part of the reason for this is because when the pastor reads the text on Sunday morning, one of the things he will do, whether he's doing it consciously or subconsciously, is he will read in light of what he's going to preach in the sermon. Let me give you an example here. From the Transfiguration text we just talked about, part of the reading says, God speaks and says, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, I'm going to read this three different ways. All right, here we go. First, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, you can see each of those has three different emphases. And the pastor, whether he recognizes it or not, is going to subconsciously emphasize these things. And it's going to then affect the way we're hearing the text when he's preaching in just a few minutes after the gospel reading is done. So that's part of the reason that listening, doing more than just reading, but actually listening and hearing the text and how the pastor is emphasizing it is very important. Why does a pastor often, when they enter the pulpit, have a brief prayer before they preach? In one sense, Preaching can be a bit of a frightening task. I mean, look at Moses. He talked to God in the burning bush, and yet he himself is afraid to preach the word that God has given him to preach. In fact, God has to send Aaron to to help preach along with Moses. And so, in one sense, it's partly a prayer to God to strengthen his weak knees, metaphorically speaking. It's a prayer that God would keep him faithful to the task that he has to say in spite of what he has to say, because sometimes it's true that he has to say things that's going to make people angry and upset, and he needs the strength and the courage to go forth in this task and proclaim what God has given him to preach. It's also a prayer for a faithful tongue, that his tongue would remain faithful in his preaching. 
that God would, through him, preach the word that this people in this particular place need to hear. And then finally, it's a prayer that God would work as this word is being proclaimed. Any pastor who's worth his salt knows his people's sins. That's what he's there to do. He knows what they're struggling with. And so he prays that the Holy Spirit would take this word that he's proclaiming and apply it to these people, that the law would frighten those who are secure in their sins, and that the gospel would heal those who are suffering in their sins and repenting of their sins and wanting to return, that the gospel would point them to Jesus and the confidence they have in his forgiving work. What about lay people praying before they hear the sermon? Well, in in the one sense, we should simply always pray without ceasing, as St. Paul says. But as lay people, it's important for us to to pray as we prepare for the sermon as well. Satan takes every opportunity to lead us away from the Word of God, to distract us from what is being preached and proclaimed. Uh, There's a great prayer in the Lutheran service book that goes something like this. Blessed Lord, you have caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. This phrase, inwardly digest, always struck me. It comes from Ezekiel. God actually gives Ezekiel a scroll and tells him to eat it. And he says, in your mouth, it's going to be sweet as honey, but it'll be bitter in your belly. But he gives it to him and he eats this. And as we receive God's word, the prayer is for us also that we would inwardly digest this, that it wouldn't be something that simply hits our ears and bounces off that gray matter in our skull, but that this would actually become part of who we are, that we would ruminate on this, that we would think on this, and that we need the Holy Spirit's guidance and help to do this effectively and deeply. Most of us were taught to take notes in the classroom setting. Mm -hmm. We're listening to a lecture. We're taking notes. There will be a test. There's no test for a sermon, but do notes still help? Yes, notes still help, and I think it kind of depends on on your personality. For myself, I'm easily distracted by many things. And so when I'm taking notes for a sermon, I'm not taking notes as though I'm going to be taking a test on it later. In fact, I rarely, if ever, look back at my sermon notes. I think of sermon notes really as a tool to help keep me focused on what the pastor is saying right now. I use a, a notepad that on the back their little tagline is, I'm not writing this down to remember it later, I'm writing this down to remember it now. And that's kind of the idea here. This is something that helps me engage what the pastor's saying so that I can write down questions or thoughts as he's saying them and then continue to think on these things later on down the road. That may not be the case for everybody. Some people might just keep notes in their heads, create an outline in their mind, whatever it is that they use to keep their minds focused. I do want to note one of the things that is helpful for especially those of you with families, is taking notes about what you're going to discuss with your children, because this is also a vital part of listening to sermons. On the way home during lunch, or during lunch, I will talk to my children about uh, what the sermon was, what the pastor said. This is part of training your children up in the faith, catechizing them, and helping them to learn to listen to the sermon. And, and when you create a habit of this, the children know, oh, dad's going to ask about this during lunch. I better listen and get ready because these questions are going to be coming up. And so that's kind of an- another thing that I can do with my notepad is help prepare me to ask those questions and discuss this with my children. You said taking notes, even taking notes and asking questions. What kind of questions are you talking about? All kinds of questions. I think uh, primarily, as I said, well, in one sense, questions for my children. So here's what pastor said, you know, asking, here's a question that I can ask my children. But also for the pastor, questions of clarification oftentimes. 
pastor said this, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I haven't heard that before, or I thought the Bible said this instead. And so a question of clarification so that you can go to the pastor later and say, hey, you said this. Uh, can you help me understand this better? Don't catch him in the line after the, the service. Sometimes he doesn't always have time to answer questions right there. But do, uh, later on during the week, approach him and ask your questions. Generally, the rule is a pastor will spend one hour for every minute of the sermon in preparation. In other words, if he preaches for 15 minutes, he'll spend 15 hours preparing the sermon. He spent all that time invested in it. He's going to love hearing your questions and want to talk to you about it more. What about our wondering attention during a sermon? How should we respond to the fact that sometimes we just get distracted? Even though I'm a pastor and I've written my own sermons and preached them many times, I also find myself and my own mind wondering during the sermon. That's part of why I take notes in order to stay focused on what the pastor's preaching and to keep my mind engaged. My usual suggestion is to pray. When you find your mind wondering about the worries of this life and what's going on there, whether or not you're ready to close on your house, or you have this problem with work, pray about it, acknowledge that this is a worry, pray about it and bring it to the Lord, and then return to the sermon. But perhaps you find yourself thinking about something else, like the upcoming football game. Once again, also pray about this, but this prayer is going to be a little bit different than the previous one. Pray for forgiveness, that you would not despise the preaching of God and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it, and then turn your mind once again back to what the pastor's saying in the sermon. The Sunday morning sermon should be a central part of the Christian life. Why is it so important? The deal is we actually have the word of God all over the place. We have it on our smartphones. We have it on our iPads. We have it on our computers. Many of us have more Bibles than we know what to do with. We listen to podcasts. We listen to sermons online. We have Bible studies and books of theology, all sorts of opportunities to hear the word. And yet, none of those places are the primary place by which our Lord delivers and proclaims his word to us, converts us, and keeps us as his children. He promised that where his means of grace are found, that is the preaching of his word and his sacraments, there he is working among us as his people. And the primary place this happens is in the divine service on Sunday morning, where he sends men to proclaim his word to his people. That's where your pastor is. That's where God has given you a man who knows you, who knows your sins, who preaches to you the law that you need to hear, the gospel that you need to hear, that God is there in that moment, keeping you in his most holy faith. And that's why the sermon is primary. The Sunday morning worship is a primary aspect of this life together as a Christian. Finally, you are the brand new managing editor of the Lutheran Witness magazine. Tell us about this resource. The Lutheran Witness is one of the longest running Christian periodicals. The Lutheran Witness was originally published in 1882 by the English District is when it started, 1882. The LCMS picked it up in about 1912 and has been running with it ever since. And so we're coming up on about 140 years of publication. The Lutheran Witness supports congregations of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, by providing Bible studies, articles, and stories that teach the faith and interpret the world around us from a Lutheran perspective. So we're here to support pastors. We're here to support laity and congregations of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, so that they can know what they believe and why they believe it. Learn more about the Lutheran Witness magazine at cph.org witness or call Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. Interpreting the contemporary world from a Lutheran perspective, the Lutheran Witness magazine available in print and online, cph.org witness or 1-800-325-3040. Pastor Roy Askins is managing editor of the Lutheran Witness magazine and author of a column for the latest issue titled On Listening to Sermons. Pastor Askins, thank you very much. 
Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. In Hour 2 of Issues, etc., we continue our series on Lutheran Catechesis. Today, the sacrament of holy baptism in the New Testament, including John's baptism and Jesus' baptism and the accounts of baptism in the book of Acts. Stay tuned. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. The Third Commandment teaches us to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We do this when we hold God's Word sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Jesus invites the weak and heavy laden to rest in Him, our true rest, because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. This weekend, rest in Jesus as you hear His Word and receive His gifts. If you are in Southern Illinois... You're invited to join Trinity Lutheran Church in Milstadt to rest in the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Learn more at trinitymilstadt.org. Listen to the best of the church's music for the Epiphany season at lutheranpublicradio.org. Sacred music for the Epiphany season, 24-7. LutheranPublicRadio.org.